right, let's kick off another week of some fantasy baseball talk. It's February. Pitchers and catchers will be reporting before you know it. Welcome, everybody. We will not talk exclusively about the Super Bowl, but we will talk a little bit about the Super Bowl. It was a pretty incredible game. It's another episode from Team Scam. Scott and Adam today. Heath and Chris should be back on our next episode, either tomorrow or on Wednesday. And, Scott, it seems like you're in a good mood. You're kind of bouncing off the walls right now. You're humming the tune to where in the world is Carmen San Diego? It's just <laughs> you're strange today. I like it. I like what you we're know, getting from You know, because when Scott I'm here White. alone, I get to take advantage of this. Welcome to Turner Field. Attention fans. Leading off. Number one. Rafael Fokal. Pretty good, right? It's good. It is very good. Yeah, I get I like that it. job. I yeah. like it. Uh, today I'm going to ask you some early round questions about players that are going in the early rounds. And then we're going to talk about the Dynasty League draft that we did on Friday. And I'm going to tell you the truth, people. I was really mad at Scott White for making me be a part of it. A 30-round draft on a Friday afternoon. Not even a real league, a mock draft. <laughs> on a Friday afternoon, like my day is kind of done and I'm just – like, I want to just, like, get on with the weekend. I got to do a 30-round draft on a Friday afternoon. I loved it. It was one of my favorite mock drafts. Uh, it was a nice mix of prospects and established hitters. And, you know, you can get, like, in a roto league with pretty deep rosters, Kyle Seeger I got in, like, the 16th round or something like that. Yeah. You know, yeah. so that's the I, fun part. I think part. some people went a little overboard I'd on the prospects. I'd say so. I'd say so, yeah. Um, I don't know how much we're going to get into that, but... Oh, but lot, uh, Vladimir Guerrero, 19 years old, I think, 18, um, son of now Hall of Famer Vladimir Guerrero, well, not not the old guy, but the son, Blue Jays top prospect, went in round three of this dynasty league, which you know, it's it's the the way I I had it set up is there, there weren't designated minor league spots. It was just a starting lineup and a bench. So any prospect you draft, and I'm not saying they're not worth drafting, but anyone would have to sit on your bench, and obviously, until the day he's useful. Right. I don't know. Seems right. early to me. Well, who, who was the first? When did Acuna go? Also in round three. Okay, so that's uh, when Otani, Acuna, Otani. and Guerrero all went in round three. They were the yeah. first three uh, quote-unquote prospects off the board. But, you know, Otani and Acuna, at least the plan is for them to contribute in a major way this year. And Devers went with the first pick of round four. Yeah. So it's not just prospects. I mean, the younger players, like Bryce Harper, I took him with the second overall pick, which I think I might regret, but I'm not sure. Like, why didn't I just take Chris Bryant? I feel like I like Chris Bryant more. And they're, you know, Chris Bryant's 26. I don't know why <laughs> I did that. Carlos Correa went third. But, um, no, it was, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. We'll talk about it later. I love my middle infield. Can't wait to tell everybody about my middle infield. Then you're going to tell all your friends. Injuries, news, and notes. Scott, before we get into the first round questions, there are none. So here's your news and note. Philadelphia won the Super Bowl, 41-33. Did you know that? I did know that. Yes, I I, uh, I witnessed that happen. Not not live, actually. Right. Every sporting event I have to watch now is on delay because uh, that's what little kids do for you. Oh, you're kidding me. Really? Uh, no, I'm, I'm not kidding you. Even the Super Bowl? Well, did you at least catch up by the end? Like, when did you get live? Well, it's the Super Bowl, Adam. You're watching the commercials, right? Which, by the way, big letdown there. Big but, let. Are, uh, okay, ha, have you not realized that they're bad every year now since the Janet Jackson thing? Like, there's no <laughs> point. I don't even watch the commercials. Anymore. The Giants commercial was amazing. The Danny DeVito commercial was funny. 
I, I didn't, I barely noticed the other ones. The Dilly Dilly ones were, were big letdowns, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. No, there, there, there wasn't, uh, there wasn't too many, none of those, there, there weren't many commercials with real redeeming qualities. How so, late uh, after the game ended did you finish? Uh, it was after, it was like 11.30. 11.30? It ended around 10.30, right? Yeah. So like an hour. Oh wow. So you were off Twitter. Oh yeah. Okay. I don't, I, that's just common practice now. <laughs> like, look, I could, I could have watched it live and just, you know, let the, inter- let the game go during the many interruptions that spring up before the kids are in bed. No, but, that's, that's uh, fair. I'd rather watch it in its entirety and it'd be a little late. That's, that's fair. fine. That's fair. Did you have a good party? It wasn't, it wasn't really a party, but <laughs> it was with my in-laws. It was, it was good. It was fun. Yeah. Cool. We, we enjoyed watching it. Um, it's a good game, fun game. Obviously, I, I was happy with the outcome. Birds flocked together. <laughs> broke my heart last year, and uh, Eagles got it done. So that was nice to see. That that play, the the pass to Nick Foles, of course, the the play everybody was talking about. So cool. I, I yeah. turned to my father-in-law when it happened. I was like, I, that might be the coolest play I ever seen, and he agreed with me. Yep. And uh, it's pretty awesome. It was, a, it was a cool bonding moment. But yeah. um, oh, nice. Oh, I mean, Scott... the Statue of Liberty play, Boise State against Oklahoma, that's mm-hmm. got to be up there, too. Yeah, it was a good one. But this was like three trick plays rolled into one because first they snap it straight to the running back. And you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. Then, you know, they might catch them off guard with that. And then he hands it off once and then he passes it to the quarterback. Like, yeah. Well, the other thing that was cool about that was that Brady dropped a pass earlier in the game. So yeah. it's like, take that. Right. Of course, this was right. a much easier catch to make. Um, I don't know. It was a really great game. It was a great game. So much fun. And I was rooting heavily for the Eagles last night because I was watching it with Eagles fans. As I, and I decided I hate both teams, so I may as well just root for people that I like who are Eagles fans. So I got into it, and I was, like, really jazzed. And then I left, and I was like, why don't I just root for the Eagles? That was weird for me. Anyway, <laughs> Scott, let's get into fantasy baseball. Early round questions. Uh, what is more likely... In your opinion, Chris Bryant last year, he was the number 15 hitter in points leagues, but number 30 in Roto, only 29 home runs, uh, seven steals for Bryant. So 15th in, in uh, points leagues, 30th in Roto. What's more likely this year, do you think? Chris Bryant is the number one hitter in fantasy, or he's outside the top 15? Got to be outside the top 15. I mean, we've already seen it happen, right? And we haven't seen him be number one overall. Uh, I think he'll be inside the top 15, maybe just barely. He and he and Anthony Rizzo are kind of similar, I think, in that, you know, just because they're not big base, they're they're among the first rounders who aren't going to steal bases and aren't going to contend for batting titles. So they're just they're they're definitively high end and they feel very safe. But I, the chances are pretty good they're not actually going to be top 12 options. Which doesn't mean you shouldn't well. take them in the top 12, Brian especially. But, um, yeah, I, I, it wouldn't surprise me if they finish outside of that group. Okay, but in 2016, he was, Bryant was the number one, two, three, four, like number eight hitter in points and number five in Roto. And he had 39, 39 home runs. Yeah. So I, 10 more. I see him as, I'm sure you do too. Whereas Rizzo has been like the ultimately consistent player, Bryant I think has more upside. Because he's well, he's shown it. I mean, he's had a better season in 2016. Brian had a better season than Rizzo's ever had. Yeah, I, he has. I think a little more upside. 
and and maybe more so in batting average than home runs. Yeah, two straight years right around 295, which Rizzo's and, more in the 285 range. But, I mean, part of what contributes to me, I mean, they both get on base so much, which obviously helps in a more direct way in points leagues than categories, but <laughs> Bryant scored at least 111 runs the last two years because he's on base all the time. And I think... I think maybe the Roto formula, and we talked about this in past years. I don't, you know, I don't hold to the 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 idea that there's a formula that can combine the play all all five of the the stats a player contributes in in Roto and and spit out one value for it. It's kind of misleading because it you got five separate competitions going on in a Roto league, five by five league, and. Uh, you know, a, a guy with a lot of steals because steals are scarce is going to have a much higher in singular roto value. But if if you don't need more steals, that value is kind of wasted on you. It's it's not it's not as clean of a comparison as in points leagues where points yeah. are points and more points are always better. All right, he hit 29 home runs last year. Chris Bryant hit 39 home runs in 2016. How many home runs in 2018 for Chris Bryant? 34. All right, split the difference right there. Down <laughs> right the down the middle. Cool. Okay, and then the last thing on Bryant is there is a chance that he's going to not hurt you necessarily, but disappoint in RBIs if he hits second all year. Because last year he had only 73 RBIs. That's, like, really low. He had a bad year. He hit in the 230s, I think, with runners in scoring position. But the year before that, Chris Bryant won the MVP with 102 RBIs. However, he... Didn't, he played about half the season batting second. So, and in those, uh, let's see, he had 45 RBIs in 83 games batting second. So that's less than a 90 RBI pace. So there, I mean, there's a chance that if Chris Bryant bats second all year, he drives in like 85 to 90 runs, which is a little low. So just, you know, keep that in mind. Yeah, now he would make up for it in, in runs. But well, this is something we've talked about too mind. with Corey Seeger, who I, I think tends to bat second for the Dodgers. Um, also a good lineup. He, he has back-to-back years of less than 80 RBI, which is part of the reason why I think we haven't seen his best yet for fantasy purposes, and we shouldn't just value him at the level he performed last year. But what if he hits second? Uh, then he's not he's Well, that's not the gonna... thing. Like, yes, I think in theory, I mean, you look at what Bryant did two years ago, over 100 RBI from the number two spot. No, no, that's that. he didn't have that. He only played, what did I say, 73 games? No, uh. 83 games is the number two hitter, and he only had 45 RBIs in those 83 games. Okay, okay. Well, I mean, you got Charlie Blackman batting mostly leadoff, drove in 104 runs last year. Like, there's this new approach to lineups that managers have started using the last few years where they tend to bat their best hitter second rather than traditionally it was third Mm -hmm. to get the guy more bats. I mean, that's fine. You want your best hitter hitting more, Um, but it... Obviously, the best play, the best hitter, the the best hitters in a lineup, the ones who are being put in that number two spot, are also the ones we want in fantasy. And it, it particularly in an NL lineup, it seems to be impacting their RBI total to some degree. I don't know how how much you should deduct for batting second, and I don't know how consistently you can deduct it. I yeah. think players are capable of a solid RBI total from the number two spot, even in an NL lineup, but. It does seem like there's some loss there. All right, next question, next early round question. Can Anthony Rizzo take it to a new level, or is he just the 285, 32 homer guy? 
I think that's who he is, and that's great as it is. But I am not, uh, I'm not worried about him threatening Paul Goldschmidt for the top spot at the position. He's already 28. That's toward the end of a player's prime, as we currently understand it. So, yeah, I don't see him getting better. Okay. Uh, that's pretty much all I got on that then. So he's, he's pretty safe and, uh, he did have a career high walk rate and a career low K rate last year. That was pretty good for Anthony Rizzo. He had a great year, uh, and he was much better in points. He was the number eight overall hitter in points, number 20 in Roto. And that Roto, by the way, when I say Roto, that's batting average instead of OBP. So it might change a little bit in an OBP league because he walked so much. All right, next question. Justin Upton was a top 20 hitter in points leagues and a top 10 hitter in Roto. The question is, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we go through this every four years or so with Justin Upton where he has this this year where he kind of changes his expected baseline production okay, and um, gets drafted high the following year because of it. Because I, I, I think Fantasy Pro's average ranking, last I saw, 36th overall. I don't see Justin oh. Upton's third rounder. How Ew. often does he lift up to that? No, no, goodness, no. Um, but uh, he performed sort of like that last year. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, but you know, it was, he, it was an outlier season in terms of BABIP. Uh, it was an outlier season in terms of ISO. He, his hard contact was the highest it's ever been, according to Fangraphs, but he spent half the year with the Tigers, which, you know, it's kind of questionable what was going on there with the hard contact rates. They're high across the board. And once he went to the Angels, it was actually a very low high contact, hard contact rate. So, um, I just think it was, a fluky year in many ways, and he'll get back to being the 250 hitting 30 homer guy, which is still valuable in fantasy, but not a third round pick, more like a sixth or seventh round pick. That's Justin Upton, and and he's probably as Rizzo is probably better in points leagues. Upton's probably better in roto leagues, and uh, in fact, he was what did I say? He was top 20 in points, and I think he was the 10th best hitter in roto. But his plate discipline isn't very good, and he will get you some steals. Uh, you know, I guess when you look at it, he's got two straight seasons with 30 home runs, right? He had 31 Justin Upton in 2016, 35 last year. Mm -hmm. If he can hit 273 or around there, maybe he can be a stud. 273 with 30 home runs and and 15-ish steals, that's pretty good. But, the, you know, the problem is he batted around 250 in 2015 right. and 16. Right. So. Like I yeah. said, the, it was an outlier year for Babbitt, 341. That was his highest in five years. Yeah. So, uh, actually, it was his highest in, did I get that right? No, it was, that, it was his highest in one, two, three, four, five, seven, seven years. Okay. So, even more of an outlier. All right, from Justin Upton to George Springer. Question about George Springer. Does George Springer have first-round potential? If he played 140 games, if he had played 155 games, he would have finished as the number 12 hitter in points leagues. Can't do those calculations in Roto, unfortunately, but um, he was really like – my narrative on George Springer going into the year was this guy has had basically the same OPS three straight years, his his first three seasons in the, in the league. He doesn't really steal bases, and he's really bad at it, like bad percentage. Um he just played appearances his way to fantasy production. So while Springer was very safe, he was kind of like whatever, like an 830 OPS guy, which isn't great if you don't get a lot of steals. 
And then last year he went out and had a ton of home runs and had his best season. So does George Springer, we never see him go in the first round. Does he have first round potential? Well, I guess based on those numbers you ran, he, he technically does. It's, it's, it's not something I'd, I'd bet on him reaching because I think there are enough players who with better health would have pushed him out of that top 12, like Bryce Harper, for instance. I don't know if he finished ahead of Mike, if he would have, uh, well, I, I don't know if Mike Trout, I don't know how far his month out of injury, if, if that pushed him out of the top 12, but certainly Trout missed a lot of time with injury and there were others too. I, I thought Springer had some room for growth prior to last year, but I think he got, he fit in as much growth as he's going to. He has a low fly ball percentage for a power hitter, so he's kind of getting as much as he can out of that. He had a poor second half, which I don't want to harp on too much because then he was awesome in the postseason. Yeah, but you know what it but, was, actually? He went on the DL with a quad injury. So 99 games for George Springer before the quad injury. 973 OPS. He batted 310 with 27 home runs in 99 games. Then he misses a little more than two weeks with the quad injury. He comes back, he hits 228 in his last 47 games with a 717 OPS. So again, there's a 99 games before going on the DL. George Springer had a 973 OPS. I had completely forgotten about that before I, you know, did it, did the, the notes this morning. And I don't know, I got a little bit more excited about Springer. He, he really had a great year. In fact, I was surprised with a 283 batting average and 34 homers in 140 games and 112 runs in 140 games that he was only on pace to be the number 12 hitter with 155 games played. Uh, and he, you know, and he is going to lead, like two years ago, Springer led baseball and played appearances. He played 162 games. He would have been among the leaders last year too. I think he's better in points than Roto just because, not necessarily because of plate discipline, even though that did improve dramatically last year, yep. but just because plate appearances do mean more in that format. And yep. if you're in one of the best lineups and you're batting leadoff, I mean, that's, which he could, that's huge. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. I feel like he does. Have first round potential, but it seems like everything would have to go right for that to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And, and probably, and probably there would have to be a couple injuries from some even higher ceiling players, like I was saying. But yeah, Springer definitely took a step forward last year in terms of isolated power. The strikeout rate was way down, as you pointed out. And he had a great season and I'm thrilled to get him like in, you know, into round two, early round three. Um, to me, it's a it's a tough debate, him or Aaron Judge, who we know has right. first round potential. Right. Certainly demonstrated that last year. I think Springer's a lot safer. I think in most cases, I'd rather have Springer. Yeah, so that's I mean that's that's a pretty high endorsement. I think it's an interesting call, like Springer or Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez. Yeah, it, you know, if they played the same position, I'd go Springer. Outfield is easier to fill. Is it? In a three outfielder league, it's easier to fill than, yes. you know, third base or second base. But in a, in a five outfielder league, I don't know. Maybe you want to go Springer there. What would you do? At, on the high end, it's definitely higher to fill. On the low end, it's one of the easiest to fill outfield. True. And I mean, we were saying the same thing about outfield last year. And then, you know, by end of May, we were talking like, what do we do with all these outfielders? Like, there's <laughs> just so many breakout possibilities at that position because there's three times as many players i don't think it's going to end up being weak yeah okay uh here's a question about another early rounder what other than injury concerns you about john carlos stanton hmm you can answer nothing if you'd like yeah i think that is my answer nothing 
which is why, like, I have him as my seventh player overall, maybe sixth. Um, because, and that's, you know, I, th- I think I'm one of the higher in the industry ranking him there. But, um, what reason do we have to doubt him other than injury? And it was every year prior to last year, that's about the point he was getting drafted. Seventh overall, he was kind of a fixture there. He has his best season and then moves to an even better environment in the off season. And for some reason, we're not going to treat him as like he's as valuable as he we always did before. I don't know. That doesn't make a lot well, of sense to me. You know, he just hasn't like this was his best year for sure. And I'll remind everybody, Giancarlo Stanton had a 46-game stretch beginning just before the All-Star break. 46 games with a 1,400 OPS. (laughs) He batted. He had basically a full season in 46 games. He batted 353 with 29 home runs. In 46 games, Giancarlo Stanton hit as many home runs as Chris Bryant hit the entire season. Wow. Isn't that incredible? Uh, Yeah. 1,400 OPS, 1,396 to be exact. Um, so he's, you know, he's probably not going to have that good of a year again because he won't have that kind of stretch. The year before was his worst year, and he had, uh, he had a 29 game stretch with a 118 batting average. He was just completely lost. So the rest of the season after that, he had a 906 OPS. So whatever. So like, you had a, a really bad version of Stanton in 2016, the best version we've ever seen in 2017. I don't know. It's kind of, it's just weird because I feel like were we drafting him as like number seven overall? That's where I have him. No, but before that, you know, before like three years oh, ago. Yeah, I mean, the, the back half of the first round, that yeah. he was he was a fixture there for most of his career. I guess, the and I didn't only like thing... him there earlier because because of the injury risk. But I think there's less performance risk now than there used to be because he cut way down on his strikeouts, yeah, and um, you know, in a way that that's seems supported by some of the on the field adjustments he made, closing up his stance yep. and. You know, he's actually not hitting the ball as hard as he did when he first came into the league, but I mean, it was kind of overkill, the, some of the velocities he was putting on the ball, and it just, it just seems like he's kind of mastered how to, how to turn his ability into skill. Um, and, uh, that's how last year happened, and I think, I think that's who he is going forward. So yeah. now it's in Yankee Stadium with Aaron Judge in the same lineup, and, let me just let me give know. you his let me give you the only concern that I think you could have is is batting average. Here is John Carlos Stanton's batting average in eight seasons: two fifty nine, two sixty two, two ninety, two forty nine, two eighty eight, two sixty five, two forty, two eighty one. So he's only had three seasons out of eight with a batting average above two sixty five. And I always give that stat: if you don't hit two sixty, it's hard to be a top fifteen hitter most years, or at least two of two last two years. Uh, but if somebody can do it, it's Stanton, cause you know he's got the power. And I think the argument that Heath makes for Aaron Judge, cause Heath likes Judge in the first round, it's hard to envision them not, both of them, Stanton and Judge, not scoring a hundred runs and not driving in a hundred runs. If they stay healthy. Wouldn't yeah. you say? Yeah, there's, I, I think they absolutely do. Yeah. But on the subject of batting average, like I was saying, Stanton cut his strikeout rate drastically last year. So I, I mean that that makes like his BABIP last year was 288. It wasn't even a career, uh, you know, he's normally 290, 295. He's been over 300 before last year's BABIP was 288. Right. And he had one of his best batting averages. So I think he's, I, I don't think that's as much of a concern anymore. And you like him better than Betts? Yes. Okay. Let's go to Clayton Kershaw. 
Here's your question. Clayton Kershaw has thrown 149 and 175 innings in his last two regular seasons. And he has finished as the number 16 starting pitcher in points, but number 6 in Roto with those 149 innings two years ago. And last year he was the number 4 pitcher in points, number 3 in Roto. Uh, and he was a distant fourth last year behind Kluber, Sale, and Scherzer. Why doesn't that seem to matter to fantasy owners? Nobody seems to treat Kershaw as an injury risk, it seems. Well, I am. I don't know. I mean, maybe it does. It's not obvious from the way I rank him because he's still my number one starting pitcher. He's still probably the only one I take in the first round, but near the very end of the first round. And I, like, I don't think his, he's in a, in a tier of his own anymore. Like he has been for most of his career. I think Scherzer, Sale and Kluber, um, I want them almost as much. And it's because. Yeah, I'm not counting on Kershaw throwing 200 innings. Three of the last four years, he's missed time with the same back issue. I think right. you have to factor that in. But the percentages are still, um, you know, they're, they're still clearly the best in the league. And on a per-start basis, he's still going to be as good as you'll the, the best you can find at the position. And, um, you know, you just have to... You just have to be prepared for the possibility of losing him for a few weeks at a time. And maybe it doesn't happen. I mean, there's, you know, I said three of the last four years he missed time with a back issue. That means there was one where he didn't. And it could happen again. And then, you know, you'll be happy, obviously, to have invested the first round pick in him. So, I, I don't know. I mean, you have to factor it in. But, like, the, it, it's, it's one of those issues where you can't just assess a player by his total production. You have to consider, the uh appear by appearance production. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh I will say this and I just I'm gonna hold this in the bank as ammo against the stat heads, Scott. When, okay. Whenever somebody whenever Chris or he whenever Chris start talking about FIP, I'm gonna say Clayton Kershaw had a three oh seven FIP last year. <laughs> he never it wasn't yeah, it really wasn't his most dominant year, but two thirty one ERA. And that's that's still, the worst in five years for him. What was it? 231. Yeah. <laughs> but it was still 231. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but he had a 307 FIP. So he yeah. still led the NL in ERA. He's led the NL in ERA five of the last seven years. Oh, and one of those, he had one of those years he didn't, he had a 169 ERA, just didn't get the innings to qualify. <laughs> he's incredible. He's, he's incredible. He's thrown almost 2,000 innings. Kershaw has a 236 career ERA. Uh, he, you know, he, he gave up a lot of home runs last year, which was weird. 1.2 home runs per nine. His previous career high was 0.6 home runs per nine. Yeah. But he's the man. That was weird. Yeah. That's, uh, that's 2017 for you. And I want to say, look at the game log now. There was one game where he gave up four homers. There were two games where he gave up three homers. And then there was one game where he gave up two home runs. So, you know, it was just like, I feel like it was a few bad starts. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, but he had between a, but those it, one, two, three, four starts, he gave up twelve of his um, how many total? Twelve of his twenty-three home runs came in four starts. Yeah, more but Kershaw had a three oh seven FIP, so he's yeah. very average. And final question: How do you not take Joey Votto in the first round in a points or OBP league? How do you not take Joey Votto in the first round of a points or OBP league? He's thirty-four. Yeah, which would make him far and away the the oldest. First rounder, 
And I mean, that's an age. Any, anybody, like it's first basemen are probably going to be the position that can survive that the best, but anybody gets to that age and you, you just have to worry that they're going to fall off a cliff or if they don't fall off a cliff that they're going to have these nagging injuries that pop up because they're, you know, they're not as spry as they used to be. And yeah, Joey Votto was the second best first baseman on a per game basis last year, at least looking at points leagues. Uh, so you better? could argue he's a first rounder because of that. Who was better? Goldschmidt. Interesting because he finished ahead of Goldschmidt in points. Well, let me double check. Maybe I. No, I think it was very close. Were... I don't know what the games played. Uh, were. You're right. Votto actually was a a, a three thousandth of a three thousandth okay. of a fantasy point better than Goldschmidt on a per game basis. Yeah. So very close. But yeah, Votto was technically better. Right. So and, you could make an argument he deserves to go in the first round based on that, but. You know, it was also his first 30, it was also just the second 30 homer season of right. his career. Right. And like I said, he's old. He's, he's too old. More likely to get injured. More yeah. likely to suffer, uh, performance issues. Not those kinds of performance issues. I'll say this for Votto. Uh, okay, so he had 36 home runs last year. He had 29 home runs each of the previous two, th- two seasons, uh, 2015 and 2016. And with that, 29 home runs, which is what Chris Bryant hit last year, and he was the number 15 hitter in points, number 30 in Roto. Joey Votto was the number 8 hitter in points and number 18 in Roto in 2015, and number 9 in points, number 14 in Roto in 2016. Now, again, that Roto is not OBP. It's batting average. He's great in batting average, but wouldn't you say he's even better in OBP? Yes. Like, he's great at batting average. Obviously, the OBP is... NL leading more years right, than not, right. or at least NL leading more years than not. So here's the thing, though. Like, career-high OPS for Votto last year, career uh, second-best OBP of his career. Um, You could argue he just had his career season at 33, and betting on a 34-year-old to repeat a career season just seems like a bad idea, right? Yeah. Yep. Like, and I'm not, I'm not trying to say Votto's not great. He's, like, one of the... One of the best hitters I've ever seen, but, um, you just like the, like last year I think was the very best case scenario and he's old. Plus he only so. struck out 83 times last year. I, I don't know how that could happen. I mean, that was incredible. The, the lowest yeah. K rate I think of his career, like much lower. So that's another part of what makes points a little bit different than just OBP is it also factors in, well, it factors in doubles, which he's great at. It also factors in strikeouts, you know. You know he's going to walk a lot, but the K rate was so low last year. So, uh yeah. All right. Great great year for Votto. If you took him in the first round, that's fine. But you could also take him in the second round. It would be reasonable. There are guys that could go ahead of him. Would you take Chris Bryant or Joey Votto? I would take Bryant. Okay. All right, Scott White. We'll get into our Dynasty League draft. We want you to send us your emails at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Scott, where do you uh typically play your fantasy baseball? CBSSports.com. CBS yeah, it, it's, it's a pretty damn good website to play your fantasy baseball. We got the commissioner product. It has launched. You can customize, create your own stat categories, adjust scoring by position. We have a deep player pool with minor leaguers and a feature to add your own player. So if you want to play on Dynasty Leagues, you play on CBSSports.com because now you can swap up to three years of future draft picks. 
And so, I, I mean, I think that's huge. I know a lot of our listeners are really into Dynasty, which is why we're about to talk our Dynasty League. And if you want to play a Dynasty League, CBSSports.com is the place to go. And if you want, like, the right way to use Shohei Otani, CBSSports.com is the place to go. He'll be one player with both starting pitcher and DH eligibility. So I want you to sign up. I want you to play on the site that we play on. We love playing. I mean, I think it's the best. I'm very biased, but I love it. I, th- I think you'll find it. Uh, CBSSports.com is just easier to use. Has more features than the other sites you're, you're playing on if you are playing on other sites. And uh, when you do so, please go to cbssports.com slash fbt uh, to, let, to let everybody know that you heard about it through the podcast. cbssports.com slash fbt and get your league started. cbssports.com slash fbt, as in fantasy baseball today. I am done promoing. I am ready to talk about the draft, and then we'll read some emails at fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. I had the second pick. Scott had the fourth pick. And it was, alright, so it was a dynasty draft. Is there anything we need to know? It was 30 rounds, 12 teams, and it was Roto. Five by five with two catchers, corner infield, middle infield, five outfielders, nine pitcher mm-hmm. spots that you can use as starters or relievers. Uh, actually, I thought it was pretty interesting that like, that, I felt like people didn't really Take every closer. Like, when did I get Mark Melanson? I got Melanson in the twenty fourth round. It was really yeah. Not weird. every closer was taken. I I don't believe Rodney was taken. Why? Like, um, it's a roto league. You need saves. <laughs> what the hell? Well, uh, people wanted prospects too, and you run out of bench spots. I know. I, but... I had the choice. Like, I could have taken Rodney or um, I think Shane Green didn't get taken. The Tigers closer. No, he he was the third to last pick. And Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, so he got taken, barely. But Rodney didn't. And I had a chance to take either of them. I only have one true closer, Felipe Rivero. I could have taken one of them as a second true closer, but I decided to take uh, Keone Kella instead because I feel like there's more upside there and there's a good chance he ends up re- leading the Rangers in saves this year. Now, if I had it to do over again, I would have taken A.J. Minter of the Braves for the same reasons. I just feel like he's even more likely to become the closer than than Kella is, but um, you want uh, you know I didn't want to I didn't want to miss the opportunity for longevity in a dynasty league. I didn't sell out as much for it as some other owners did, but I did to some degree. Okay, then I'm not the best person to talk about this as I don't play in any dynasty leagues, and this was my first dynasty league draft. But this the the point of this was this is a startup dynasty league. I want to know how many. Prospects, how many players out of 30 do you have on your team that you don't think will make the club out of spring training? Okay, how many out of 30? I don't believe Willie Adams will. I'm not even sure I pronounced Adam- that. Right. Is that Adamus? Adamus? <laughs> the yeah. Rays' top prospect at shortstop. I've <laughs> okay. written about him so many times, and I don't know how to say his name. I, I don't think he will. Brendan Rodgers, Rocky shortstop prospect, won't. Uh, Kyle Tucker, Astros outfield prospect, won't. I don't think David Dahl of the Rockies will. So that's four. Only four of my seven bench spots are players who I don't think are going to contribute right out of the gate. That's interesting because I have six or seven. And I figure, you know, if we were actually playing this out with seven bench spots, there'll be some dropping and swapping. And the prospects list changed throughout the year, right? So, like, I have Julio Arias, who was an elite prospect and is coming off major surgery and 
I don't know if he'll even pitch this year, so I could see dropping him or like Franklin Barreto or something, you know, as other prospects emerge throughout the year. Or I just need to, you know, fill in for an injured veteran. Of course, we don't have like minor league spots on this. And anyway, my point is, um, I have six or seven guys that I don't know that are gonna are gonna break spring training with the club, and yet I think I have a really good team that's built to win this year. So I think you can mm-hmm. do both in this type of format. Like I have yeah. Gaddis and Lucroy at catcher. I have Rizzo. I have Miguel Cabrera, Cespedes, Bryce Harper. Uh, Yasmani Tomas, I have, I have Carrasco, Keiko, Kluber, great top three with Sonny Gray. Uh, I won't go through my whole lineup. I also have Kenley Jansen. I have four closers. So I think I'm, I'm a set up to, you know, be pretty good now. And then my middle infield, this is what I was very excited about. See when I took these guys. Yo, Yoan Moncada, the end of round four, and Glaber Torres at the end of round six. So I have guys, I don't think Torres breaks camp with the Yankees, but I think he might be up within the first month. He might break camp with the Yankees. It's totally possible. But I have two guys who were very recently top five prospects, if not number one, Moncada and Torres, who give yeah. you something now and could be like stalwarts of my team for, for five years, you know? So I like that. And I'm yeah, surprised I, mean, I got them later. Yeah, no, they're, they're definitely the kind of players everybody should want in a dynasty league. Uh, Moncada in round four, uh, probably a little earlier than I would have gone. Like, I like Devers. You pick Moncada toward the end of round four, and um, Devers was picked at the, toward the beginning of round four. I like Devers more at that spot because I feel even more confident he's going to contribute right now oh, and yeah. give you that longevity. I would say I would have taken Devers. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't have a choice, but yeah. Um, Reese Hoskins also went in round four. I like that a little more. Um, but, you know, like, it, it, it was hard to know exactly when to sprinkle in those guys that you're drafting mostly for the upside and not what they're going to do for you right now, which. Mokata could be huge breakout this year. He's on my breakouts list, but it's obviously not a known thing. Um, so you're, you're, you're drafting him more for the upside, which is fine. A lot of people did that. Uh, Acuna, Vladimir Guerrero went in round three, but what was interesting to me is, you know, I, I, I saw these players getting drafted and what I was doing, I put together dynasty rankings for the first time this year, dynasty top 100. And for the first eight, nine rounds, I was following that, you know, pretty much to the letter. I wasn't really going off the board, out of order at all. Um, so, you know, I was noticing I do have some prospects in that top 100, but they weren't high enough for me to draft them at those places other people were drafting them. Um, so then we get to round 10. And not thrilled with the major leaguers still on the board. So I decided now might be a good time to f- take my first prospect. And who was sitting there in round 10 but Brendan Rogers, elite shortstop prospect for the Rockies. My number 10 prospect in my top 100 prospects. And I'm getting him in round 10. Kyle Tucker's still there in round 11. He's my number 15 prospect. And, you know, I say Rogers is 10, Tucker's 15 on my list. That's pretty much where they are on all the lists out there. These are elite prospects. And I'm getting them in rounds 10 and 11 when some were going in round three. I mean, my takeaway from that is, like, you don't, like, what, what's the probability of any prospect making good on all of his potential and becoming this early round contributor for you? I, you know what, maybe Acuna's a little higher because he's about to break through, but somebody like Guerrero who's still in class A? Right. Like, it's, 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 
I'd put the probability at better than 50%, but it's, it's certainly no guarantee. Like, I, I feel like people overpaid for their favorite prospects when at the end of the day, they're, they're all just prospects and you don't really know. Like, if they're, if they're rated in the same tier, roughly, like, you shouldn't be too particular about it. Just take the best value. You still have plenty of upside there, plenty of future potential in, in Rogers and Tucker. Um, and I, I got 10 round, nine rounds worth of, uh, immediate contributors, guys who are going to help me this year. And, and I don't think any of them are old, so they're going to help me in the future as well. Yeah. I, I guess I felt like you shouldn't change your strategy too much. And right. You don't want to go too prospect heavy. Um, of course, the idea of getting like a superstar, you know, if you think Acuna could be a superstar, which many people do believe, then I'm okay with you reaching for that guy because that could be amazing for you for 10 years. If, you know, if, if I don't know what, six years ago, whenever Trout broke in, you took mm-hmm. Mike Trout and I was paying off, you know, yeah. but if you know, Acuna, Acuna and Otani in round three, it was a little earlier than I'd go, but I could kind of understand it. But the other point I was going to make is like, let's take a look at, at the hitters who went in round, okay, 12, uh, or the, or the, the veterans, John Gray, yeah. Roberto Osuna, um, Trevor Story, Eduardo Nunez, this is not a great round, Corey Knabel, Marcus Stroman, Felipe Rivero, Iglesias, alright, we have a lot of, uh, closers going there, but Cespedes went in the 13th round, Cano, yep. 13th yep. round, Alex Wood, uh, Nick Castellanos, so, like, you can you can reach a little bit because you know everybody else in your league is going to take prospects too. There's going to be some value with veteran players. I mean, like I was so thrilled to get Kyle Seeger in the 17th round, uh, Ryan yep. Braun in the 17th round, Kyle Hendricks 17th round, Blake Snell, Alex Colomay, Garrett Richards, Johnny Cueto. Um, yeah, so so there will be value later if you do reach. It's not going to completely ruin your team from a veteran standpoint. Well, and even if you want to look on the higher end. Um, in terms of veterans falling, guys on the wrong side of 30 in particular. We were just talking about Joey Votto. Why aren't we drafting him in the first round? Oh, he's 34. He went at the end of round three in this draft. Right. Right there in between Acuna and Guerrero. And you know what? I like the Acuna pick more. <laughs> like, <laughs> right, how many that's... years is Votto going to give you? And look, Exactly how you value these players depends a lot on the specific rules of your roto league. Like if, I mean, in your, of your dynasty league. Like if you have dedicated minor league spots that allow you to keep those players for much cheaper than any major leaguer, then maybe it makes sense to draft them a little higher. But the way this one was set up, there, any, anybody you draft who isn't in your lineup is just going on your bench and you're keeping everybody on equal terms. There's no relative keeper value. So, um, Based on that, I think some of the prospects went a little too high, but you know, I would I would hope everybody has a couple prospects on their bench. I mean, that is very funny that Acuna goes ahead of Votto. You know, <laughs> yeah, very funny. And then, like, where did Buxton go? Byron Buxton was taken in the middle of the fourth round, right after Christian Yelich and Andrew Benintendi. Like, Benintendi is a great pick in this format because he's already good and he's so young. Uh, you know, so like Benintendi, Yelich, Buxton is a really interesting. Or how about this whole round? Devers, Martin, JD Martinez, Donaldson, Hoskins, Benintendi, Yelich, Buxton. Those hitters, the first seven picks of round four, are fascinating. You've got Devers and Benintendi and Hoskins in there, and then you've got oh, and Buxton, 
and you've got Yelich who's sort of in between, and then you have JD Martinez and Josh Donaldson. I mean, it's just it comes down to personal preference and and what you want, young and unproven or older and MVP like. You know, it's really that's, I think that's why I enjoyed it so much. You know, different types of choices that I wasn't used to making. So I wish we were playing it out because I like my team, Scott. Yeah, I do too, actually. <laughs> but um, no, we're not. How about we're we go not. through? I'm in enough dynasty leagues. Let's just go through the first round, maybe maybe first two. Uh, Trout, Bryce Harper. I I did Harper because Scott had Harper second in his in his dynasty rankings, and it's fine. Could end up being a great pick. He's still very young. He's 25. Harper, uh, 25. Yeah. Yeah. Correa third, Arenado four, Altuve, Trey Turner, Chris Bryant seven, Mookie Betts, John Carlos Stanton is only 28 years old. That's actually on the older side for a. First rounder in this league, I think. And that's another Stanton, thing I look at is that he, Stanton will be in the American League for a long time and could, could be DHing when he's in his thirties. And that could yeah, really help. Yeah, he'll probably help. DH some this year. Like think about five years ago where you would have taken Nelson Cruz in a dynasty draft, you know? And, and he's been, he's hit 39 home runs in four straight seasons or something like that. And DHing I think has been a big part. Same with David Ortiz. For those curious, Nelson Cruz at age 38 now went in round 10 of this one. Yeah, wow. This draft. All right, so it's Trout, Harper, Correa, Arenado, Altuve, Turner, Chris Bryant, Betts, Stanton, Freddie Freeman, Paul Goldschmidt, who is 29? No, he's 30. And yep. Francisco Lindor is your top 12. Cody Bellinger. Like, Bellinger gets compared to Judge a lot. He's like three years younger than Judge. Uh, so he went four picks ahead of Judge. Bellinger, Jose Ramirez, Manny Machado. Machado is 25. Machado's 25. He's going to be shortstop eligible, and yet he went 15th overall. That's late. Yeah. No, I would have taken him ahead of several of these players. The, the Stanton and Freeman picks in round one were the ones that surprised me the most because at 28, they, they are – you know, good two or three years older than a lot of these players we're seeing go in the second round. Machado, Bellinger, Ramirez. Uh, they're all, they're both lower on my dynasty top 100. They're, they're more like third rounders actually. Oh, okay. Uh, I was just gonna say, like, Machado's 25 years old. Why wasn't he a top five pick? Where did you I'm have him? I'm gonna pull up my rankings. Where did you have him? Yeah, exactly cause... where I have him. In dynasty leagues. And yes, he's, He's very high because he's young and because he's awesome. And soon he'll be shortstop eligible. He's eighth for me. Yeah. In my top 100. So should have been a first rounder. I agree. I kind of overstated how far, how much, how much more Stanton and Freeman should have dropped. They're 16 and 17. Okay. So, you know, a little on the early side. Lindor at the end of first round maybe raised some eyebrows. It's worth noting he is, um, he's only 24. He's my 10th. So. I agree he should have been a first-rounder. Okay. Bellinger, Jose Ramirez, Manny Machado, Bregman, Judge, Corey Seager, Gary Sanchez. We haven't had a pitcher yet until now. Chris Sale goes ahead of Clayton Kershaw. Uh, They go back-to-back. Yep. Two years younger. That's how I have them in my dynasty rankings. Okay. Charlie Blackman, Anthony Rizzo, Luis Severino. Um, Taking Severino... Ahead of Scherzer, who went 
five or six picks later, and also went behind. Scherzer went after Sale, Kershaw, Severino, Kluber, Cindergard, and Rendon. And I had the second pick of round three with Sale, Kershaw, and Severino off the board. And like Scherzer was so tempting to me. And Cindergard was also tempting, but I can't justify taking a pitcher who's had so many health issues uh, ahead of Kluber. And I probably would have taken I, like, should I have taken Scherzer over Cindergard? I took Kluber, so it didn't even matter. But then Cindergard went ahead of Scherzer, and I think that's just a really interesting debate because I see both sides of it. Yeah, I mean, it's an eight-year difference. Yeah, their ages. Yeah, Scherzer at thirty-three. He's actually the one I rank last of the big four, and I think I'm. That that's not common in the industry. I think most have Scherzer second. You mean in fourth. seasonal leagues? Yeah, in seasonal leagues, I have four. I have Scherzer behind Kershaw's Kluber and Sale. Oh, Scott and it's White. because he's thirty-three, and because he had he had a few injury scares last year. Yeah, uh, and I don't like it. As hard as he throws, like I just don't think he and as many innings as he already has on that arm. I can't imagine he has a lot, too many dominant years left. Hopefully, he has two or three more, but it wouldn't surprise me if this is the year he just falls off Scherzer. Um, obviously, I'm not predicting it because I'm still ranking him fourth, but I'm trying to guard against that a little. So if you when you put it in a dynasty context, I would I would rather have Cindergard over him. And it's not a huge gap. I have Severino 26th. I have Cindergard 27th. I have Kluber 30th, him being 31 years old. And I have Scherzer 31st at 33 years old. So, okay. Um, that's, is that the order they got drafted in? Severino, Kluber, Cindergard, Scherzer. Okay, so Kluber. I would flip-flop Cindergard and Kluber, okay. but otherwise, that's how I ranked them. Yeah, even though I only took 15 sec- 14 seconds to make that Kluber pick, I spent <laughs> it was the, a whirlwind. the previous few picks debating Kluber, Cindergard, Scherzer. It was not easy. Alright, if you want more results, you can see it on the website on cbsports.com slash fantasy. Let's finish up with some emails. Uh, this is from Matt. Dear Stephen A., Max, Skip, and Shannon. None of them are CBS personalities. Matt, I will not read your email. Thank you for playing. Wow. No, nah, just kidding. Here's Matt's email. 12-team Roto League. Which round would you be comfortable taking Aaron Sanchez? Remember him? Aaron Sanchez in. The last round. Really? Uh, let me see exactly where I have him ranked. I'm being kind of flippant in my response here. But not high, like, he he never got a chance to pitch, really, last year. Yeah, forget last year. Last year was blister season. He only threw okay. 36 innings. The year before, 2016, 192 innings, 15-2 and two with a 3 ERA, 63 walks, 161 strikeouts, and I don't have his whip, but it was pretty damn good because he only gave up like 161 hits or something. I'll tell you mm-hmm. his whip. Aaron Sanchez in 2016 had a whip of 1.17, and he finished seventh in Cy Young voting. I called him a bust in 2017 because he had such a drastic innings jump. But from well, look at the strikeout per nine rate for him in 2016, also. Yeah, no, he he's not a strikeout guy. He's well, a ground ball guy, right? <laughs> he would need to. I I think there was room to project more strikeouts for him, so I liked him. Um, as a top 25 pitcher going into last year. And I, yeah, he still has that kind of upside. There's a lot more risk than there was thought to be at the time. Uh, in terms of ground balls, he is 
Uh, he's yeah, he's he's you know he's not Dallas Geichel, but he's a good ground ball pitcher. Sure, okay. that helps. That that helps in points leagues. In roto leagues, that could give you a higher whip and bad strikeouts. So it, it can, but it's know. possible to be a good ground ball pitcher and a a pretty good strikeout pitcher too. And I think Sanchez has the arsenal for that, even if it didn't come true. Well, then what round are you taking him in, Scott White? Well, I mean, factoring in all the risk. It is, I have, I do have him ranked much higher than the last round. I have him 194th overall in Roto Leagues. So that comes out to round 17 of a 12 team league. Okay. So pretty late. That seems reasonable. Not last round. Okay then. Would you take Marco Estrada, Jay Happ, or Aaron Sanchez? I want to say Sanchez, and that's how I rank him. So yeah, Sanchez. Okay. Uh, next email is from Dan Gaffney. 12-team Roto, 5x5 with OBP. In an auction league, would you keep Giancarlo Stanton at $38 in a Roto league, OBP, or Karis Davis at $18? Stanton at 38 or Chris Davis with a K at 18 I could use that $20 toward Trout, Altuve, or even Stanton himself. Um, what do you think? Stanton or Chris Davis, you pay 20 bucks extra for Stanton. In a 12-team league, now that's what our auction values are built for. Obviously, we're we're doing batting averages, the fifth category instead of OBP. Um, but I'm not sure it makes a huge difference in this case. Uh, well, no, I mean, Stanton walks more than Davis, does, so I, if anything, yeah. it increased the gap. Okay, I have Stanton at $35. I have Chris Davis at $18. <laughs> That's so exactly Stanton, what this is. Just based on that, you're overpaying for Stanton, for Stanton by three. But when it's a keeper league, you got to factor in that certain high-dollar players are being kept for cheap, and that's going to inflate prices across the board. I just think the elite players are so much harder to get in an auction. Like, I, I think I'd rather pay the extra $3 for Stanton, unless you're really confident you can get a Trout or Altuve. But, I, you know, they might go for over $50, taking into account everybody's keepers. Right. Okay, thank you, Dan. This is from Luke. 16-team Dynasty League, $15 total for, for players. $15 salary for players. And you keep 15 players each year. This is so – like, why not just put more money – this is so weird. I have Will Myers at 45 cents this year. But I was offered a trade straight up for Kyle Schwarber at 20 cents. Would that be a good trade in your mind? Would you rather have a 45 cent Will Myers <laughs> or a 20 cent Kyle Schwarber out of a $15 budget? I'm also a Cubs fan and I rarely miss watching a game. So I'm leaning towards taking the trade and looking elsewhere for first base help in the draft. Okay, so move the decimal point, multiply by two. All right, these are terms I can work with. Uh, I think Will Myers is the better keeper. Okay. Stick Certainly if stolen bases count in your league. This is Brett from a, ta- a town outside of Sacramento. Dear Will, Willie, and Willie. Those are former Giants greats. Will Clark, Willie Mays, and Will Willie McCovey. Okay, uh, let's see. Ten-team head-to-head categories league. Five outfielders, two catchers. Five outfielders, two catchers. I'm drafting ninth this year. Who should I target with my first and second picks? So he has picks nine and twelve. Okay. Head to head categories. Okay, and he's just asking who he should draft. Yeah. Okay, picks nine and twelve. Uh, categories league. 
<laughs> at picks nine and twelve, I have Trey Turner and Carlos Correa. You wouldn't want that combo because they're both shortstops. But I would love to get one of them, and I don't think you're going to get Trey Turner. Yeah, uh, there's a good chance somebody will reach for the stolen bases on Turner, uh, which could potentially push down Betts, also a steals guy, or Stan. There um, are so many hitters you can take. So let me ask you this, Scott. Yeah. Because I was, I mean, like. If Chris Bryant's available at nine, I think that would be very attractive to me. But I, I don't think that I'm going to be disappointed with any two hitters that I take nine and twelve. You're talking about the the best of the best are in the top fifteen. Oh, I mean the ninth pick, you shouldn't have to settle for Bryant. I mean, unless you just like him more than Stan. Ninth pick, you're going to get one of these: Trout, Altuve, Goldschmidt, Arenado, maybe Arenado, Harper, oh, nice. Blackman, Stanton, Betts, or Trey Turner. Like that's the the whatever the, whichever one of those is left over you can get so sure. maybe it'll be Stanton and maybe you just having to like Bryant Moore fine but um but that's that's the worst you should have to do okay and so I guess the question is do you take a pitcher with one of the two picks ninth and twelfth in a ten team league or and do you consider Gary Sanchez since it is a two catcher league. And you're not getting him. Well, you could get him in the third you round. You could get him. Yeah, ten team league. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't reach like that for him. You know, when it when it is a shallower league, and normally we we um our our standard is twelve team league, so ten is on the shallower end of that. I think you sell out even harder for scarcity because you need the advantages you need at every position need to be even greater. So what do you do then? Do you, do you um, so consider... I do. Yeah. No, that's a good point that you brought up. I see. Um, I, I think I'm, I, I think I have to take a pitcher. Yeah. Right. And not Sanchez. I think I'd I go. I mean, maybe even two pitchers, because the quality of hitters that get back to you at the two-three turn are going to be higher as well. You wow. get two of those four aces. It's a uh, good point. I'll tell you what. If you've done this maybe. league before, and it's sort of pitcher heavy, like you expect like eight to ten pitchers to go by the end of the third round. That there, means... There's no way one of those four is getting to you with your third. Pick. No, no, no. But that means that there should be great hitters available. Yeah. That going with two starting pitchers is an interesting strategy. I don't know that I would do it, but it's really like I I think Scott and I agree you gotta take one pitcher with one of those picks. Yes. Probably and your if second you don't one. take a second pitcher, I could see taking a shortstop, whether you're you're lucky and it's Turner or you go Correa. Um but you know, it might be it might be a little safer to go Stanton and Bryant, but I kinda like that that combo. Either the two pitchers or or throw Correa in there too. Yeah. So that's that's my advice. I'd have to take Trey Turner if he were available. Yeah. Uh, for the steals too. All right. Thank you for the emails, everybody. We'll take more of them later in the week. Fantasy baseball at CBSI.com. Tell your friends. We're just getting started here. We'll be ramping it up to four or five times a week pretty soon. Position previews in a couple weeks. Goodbye.